Hi, I'm Monty, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of My Words, Our Journey, What If. Let's start with Chapter 1. Mary Wilson could not comprehend what was happening to her. Only minutes earlier, she had been contemplating her next task, prepare dinner or fold laundry. Now she bounced from side to side in the back of what she could only guess was some sort of cargo van. Too scared to focus on any one thing, Mary did take a moment to realize she was going to be bruised from repeatedly hitting the sides of the vehicle with every turn. Until now, she had never paid much attention to all the curves and turns necessary to reach her home from the main road. Truthfully, when driving or riding as a passenger, Mary enjoyed the sights and sounds of the neighborhood. Someone was always planting new flowers, painting something, or getting a new pet. It made her feel warm and cozy when she took in all the wonderful homes and families that lived within her world. Mary was lifted off the cool floorboard and back to reality as the driver spread across the speed bump that awaits visitors to their quiet street from the busy Manchester Highway, a four-lane that seemed to produce a new fast food chain each week in an accident more frequently than that. She was fully aware of all the problems in the world today and did not shy away from the horrors of the news as many of her peers did. Instead, she chose to be thankful for what she did have and pray for those in need. Today, Mary hoped someone would pray for her, for evil had knocked at her door. No one knew she was missing. Rolling with every movement, Mary realized the speed of the van was not especially fast. Whoever had done this horrible thing did not want to draw any attention by speeding. In the darkness, she could not be sure, however. She had the strange feeling she was alone and not being watched as she did her dance around the back of the van. Did that mean there was only one abductor? Or did they split up? Was no one watching her because she was an old woman or because her captors had done this before and therefore had confidence? Her heart sank as she could feel herself slipping further and further from home. Had a neighbor called the police? Did anyone notice anything? Would she ever see her family again? Chapter 2 The two men sat in silence as they watched and waited for the dark green minivan to pull into the driveway. The past several hours had been spent arguing, disagreeing about everything from why the Democratic Party had just won the midterm election to where they were going to have dinner later and many topics in between. This would be no surprise to anyone that knew the two men. From an early age, Drake and Derek had learned to argue and fight. However, much of their training had come at each other's expenses. More importantly, they'd also learned to work together, play together, and always have each other's backs. They were brothers, brothers who could talk about, cuss at, make fun of, and especially fight with anyone, but heaven help anyone else who tried any of the above with one of them. Local legends are what each would say best describe them, but for all their fighting, drinking, harassing, and more fighting, they were better known by many as the Bad News Brothers. Of course, that was behind their backs. Over the years, some had chosen to take on the more than eager pair. Locals could only remember a handful of times when the brothers had not given better than they had received. On each of those occasions, they had been outnumbered two to one or better. Trouble did not have a hard time finding the brothers. When it did, Trouble could not ask for a better dance partner. Amazingly, for all their antics, neither had spent more than a couple of days in jail to sober up over their 10-year-plus run. That would change if they were caught any time after they left this quiet subdivision. They were setting out 
on their most dangerous and outrageous act. Tonight, they were going to kidnap a woman who until recently they did not know existed and who at no point did anything to deserve what fate was about to deal her. This did not bother the two men, for they determined a long ago that whoever was in the ultimate control of the universe had forgotten to give either of these men a conscience. If it did not affect them, they could not care less. Derek had never learned to hide this fact, while Drake, on the other hand, over the years, had built a mask that he could put on and take off at his discretion. To Derek, this was the biggest difference between the two of them, and the main reason his brother did better with the opposite sex. During their school years, both had done well. There were always girls who wanted to be attracted to the bad boys. Back then, some of the prettiest girls wanted the wildest guys, and they couldn't find two any wilder than these brothers. Their discussion about who was more influential in country music, Waylon Jennings, or Willie Nelson was interrupted when the dark green minivan pulled into the driveway. Lucky for Derek, Drake was just about to explain for the fourth time why he felt Willie was the man. Time and location were on their side, and because of this, neither was in a hurry. After months of planning, they were about to see if they could actually pull this off. Quick and easy, brother. Quick and easy. Drake extended his right hand out to his brother with fists closed. The two men's knuckles collided, and their eyes met. It was on. The woman they had watched exit the van and take her first load of groceries out of the back had no clue. She had no idea there were two men waiting to abduct her for reasons she would never know. Mary Wilson had long ago become too comfortable with her surroundings. It was not her fault. Most of her neighbors had not worried about the safety of their neighborhood in years. It was Drake and Derek's theory that societies had grown soft. Actually soft, weak, and clueless was how the pair liked to describe the world today. Planning for today and the events to follow had taken the pair, along with their partner, several months. Two of the three began by merely talking and laughing about the idea and alcohol was usually involved. But after a time, they realized if they had one more person, they may actually have a chance at pulling off something like this. So, from a stupid, drunken conversation, to a strategy that maybe could work, to a plan that each member had finally agreed was as foolproof as any crime of this magnitude could be. On several occasions, the whole thing had been called off, called off for reasons varying from cold feet to disagreements about the time and the place. But after all the fighting and arguing, it would all be worth it in the end. Neither man could be described as nervous. Instead of calm and filled front of the utility van parked alongside the road, it was on. Chapter 3 For the past 22 years, Mary's family had made their home on Maple Lane, and never once had Mary or her husband ever regretted their choice in location. Each had made locating the perfect site for their perfect home a top priority back in the day. They had everyone telling them what factors to consider when picking a spot to call home and raise a family. Ben's father had insisted on picking a location that had a high probability of appreciating while Mary's parents were more concerned with the neighborhood and the schools. Several other relatives threw in taxes and crime. In the end, the couple had taken each suggestion and found 127 Maple Lane. After the wedding, they had moved into a one-bedroom apartment they could barely afford. Over the years, they had slowly worked their way towards their goal to own a home with a yard in an area where they could raise a family and feel safe. Maple Lane 
was just one of many quiet, peaceful streets that made up Lancaster Estates. A modest subdivision with an elegant name, a safe place for the Wilson family, until today. While retrieving her last bag of groceries, she had felt someone coming up behind her. There had been no time to react, not even a chance to turn around before she was tackled from behind. The last sound she heard was a vehicle backing up. It was funny. When she heard the sound of the loud throat of the exhaust, it reminded her of her older brother's first car. It was her last thought as the towel was placed over her face and she fell unconscious. Waking with a throbbing headache, hands bound, and eyes covered, she could only believe that her assailants had made a terrible mistake. After all, who would have any interest in kidnapping a 60-something housewife? Before Mary could begin to answer her own questions, the van picked up speed and then came to a quick stop, throwing her forward into what felt like a brick wall, causing her eyes to water. Hearing the back doors open, all Mary could do was hold her breath. Neither she nor her captor spoke a word. For Mary, it just did not feel right to try and initiate any communication at that point. She was still hoping for a chance to convince someone of their mistake at some point. Taking a chance, however, she decided just to be the perfect hostage until her opportunity arose. She was trying to take every detail possible in, even without her eyesight. It may help her sometime down the road. So far, Mary had heard the muffler. She had guessed she was in a cargo van. There were at least two people helping her maneuver, and now she was pretty sure she was being moved through a house. She could imagine the layout. If correct, they had entered using the front door after going up three steps and had moved through the living room and down what she could only guess was a long hallway. The place smelled clean, but felt empty. It was weird that she could feel the emptiness. She was not sure how or why she had this feeling, but it was strong. Mary had been stopped and turned to the right, feeling the cloth around her eyes being pulled away at the exact moment she was pushed from behind. The door slammed, and the sound the heavy lock made told her she would not be getting out. Taking in the new surroundings, Mary had the sinking feeling that she was meant to stay a while. There was a stack of current magazines, several hardbound books, and a refrigerator full of assorted items. The room had obviously been renovated. The smell of fresh paint, the tile in the bathroom, the new carpet, and the lack of any sign of a window. Someone had done a lot of work. A note was lying on the center of the coffee table. It had been typed. Mary had read it twice before her shaking hand laid it back down where she had found it. Dearest Mary, we have no interest in harming you, but you will probably be here a while. We have tried to make your accommodations as comfortable as possible. Follow a few simple rules and this will go well for you. Do not try to escape. Do not raise your voice. This is a kidnapping, but not for a ransom so we don't have to keep you alive. Remember this fact. Should she have tried to communicate with them? Only time would tell. How did they know her name? Could it be as simple as a case of mistaken identity? Would she have an opportunity to talk to someone? What if she... All this was just too much for her. With all the unanswered questions looming, all she could do was cry. And cry she did for the next several minutes, followed by sitting on the edge of the couch and rocking back and forth with her head in her hands. Her assailants did not fear her escape. They were confident in their work. They did not expect any trouble out of their hostage. However, neither of them would take her weakness for granted. 
and they would keep a close eye on Mary Wilson. Both had learned the hard way about letting your guard down, even when dealing with an old woman. Not this time. The stakes were too high. They could have stuck her in a dark closet and thrown away the key. Their plan would have worked just as well. The extra care had bothered both men to some degree, but not enough to cause a drift between them and their partner. The extra work was a small price to pay for the possible payout. Besides, they had stolen the materials needed to complete the job from a hotel construction site two towns away. Standing outside the back door, both men celebrated the first part of their task being complete with a beer in one hand and a smoke in the other. They had not been nervous or anxious about the kidnapping, but it was nice to have it over and done with. They would both sleep well tonight, no guilt or remorse. The sky was clear and the night especially dark. The only sound either man heard came from a few dogs that must be at least a quarter mile away. It was peaceful for being just out of town and was a perfect spot to hold someone against their will. Being in a home that is supposed to be empty turned out to be harder than taking care of their guest. The windows had been covered with dark plastic and sealed with black duct tape. The car had been parked in the garage, and for the remainder of Mary's stay at Hotel Brothers, they would come and go only after three in the morning and without any lights. There was a risk with leaving the home at all, but there was also other areas of plan that needed attention. Three o'clock had just been a time they had all agreed on, it would be a shame to have all their hard work come crashing down because of a curious do-good neighbor. But I think that'll be a good stopping point for episode one, a short episode to get us started. Thank you for listening.